You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning. Today's scripture is taken from Mark 5, 21 to 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumin, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. They were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord bless you, church. And a blessed Merry Christmas to everyone. It's good to see you here in the house of the Lord. It is uh, a real honor for me uh, to bring the word to you this Christmas morning. So uh, I, 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 want, I wondered if you as you were listening to the passage that was being read this morning, like, this doesn't look like a Christmas text, uh, and what are we doing with it? Now, actually, I tell you, it doesn't look like it, but I tell you why I'm using this text, all right? There's one lesson Christmas teaches us that we don't reflect well enough, and that is this. 
that God made a promise that He would send the world a Savior, but actually it took centuries, thousands of years, before it was fulfilled. And those who believed in that promise of Christmas waited a long time. So long that generations of people actually died, never actually seeing the fulfillment of that promise. In the Magnificat, when Mary is pregnant with Jesus, she sings about the birth of the Messiah. And she says this, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His offsprings forever. See, what Mary does is that she points us all back to Abraham, that the promise of the Messiah was given to Abraham. But then it took thousands of years before it actually happened. So Christmas points to the fact that God often delays in fulfilling His promises. But Christmas also points to the other fact that God's delays are not necessarily His denials. So one of the teachings of Christmas is waiting, is learning to wait on God. And I believe this year, uh, these two years, this pandemic, many of us have a lot of waiting to do. And Mark chapter 5 is a perfect example of the waiting that Christmas teaches us about. <coughs> so let's draw out the implications of it for our lives today. What I'm going to do is that I'm going to take the text that we have and look at it under two headings. The first, I'll call it the delays, and the second, the lessons. So let's look at the delays first, and let me begin with verse 35. Now, this is absolutely gut-wrenching. If you are the father of a little girl, the darling of your life, and then, you know, she is struggling with life, and her life is ticking away, and you are desperately looking to Jesus to quickly come and heal her and, and restore her, and then He doesn't, because he's caught up with something else, to hear something like this would be gut-wrenching. And so he heard this in Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 35. While he was still speaking, they came from the ruler's house, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Earlier in verse 22 and 23, Jairus comes to Jesus, falling at his feet in utter humility, and he asks, my daughter is unwell, would you please come and heal her? And Jesus said, yes. He promises to heal her. So now the Jesus and the disciples and the people from Jairus' household, they're all rushing to save the life of this little girl. In verse 24, we are told that Jesus is, is met by a crowd. A large crowd was following them and they were pressing him all around, and Jesus suddenly feels touch. He stops. He pulls out a woman from the crowd, and, 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 and he and has an extended conversation with her. And he keeps talking on and on and on with her. Now, the disciples initially were very excited that Jesus was going to the home of Jairus, because Jairus was a prominent man in the community. He was a well-known uh, synagogue ruler, 
and they couldn't wait to get to Jairus' house. But now they are disappointed that he had stopped to talk to a woman. And you can hear that he did the disappointment in their sarcasm when Jesus asked them, who touched me? And they said, of course, of course, someone touched you. You are in a crowd. What are you talking about? Now, let's focus on Jairus a little bit, okay? Think about Jairus. Here's a father. His little girl's life is ticking away. And then here is Jesus, totally unconcerned, just talking to a random woman in the crowd. And then in a moment, Jairus' worst nightmare is realized. In verse 35, messengers come as Jesus talks on and on to this woman, and they bring the bad news. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? That means it's final. It's over. No one can help right now. But people, I would like you to just listen up here because from Jesus' perspective, it is not over. So he ignores the news. So he assures them to be not afraid, but only believe. Now listen, people. For, for every reality in your life, they are actually two perspectives. Whatever the reality is, there is first of all the human perspective. And the human perspective is always based on facts and figures. And then there is God's perspective. And God's perspective is always based on His character and His word. The question for us is when you're hit by some devastating reality in your life, which perspective would you believe in? And here Jesus tells Jairus, believe in my character and my word. You see, people, God's grace never works according to our time frame. It never operates according to our schedule or our calendar or our agenda. And we need to we, we need to wrap that around our heads. Jairus is about to learn that God will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And that this may not be according to his timing. And therefore, God is never hurried. He's never rushed. He, he just knows what he is about. But for us, from our perspective, when things don't happen according to our timing, and according to expectation, it can make our heart sick. We get discouraged. We get desperate. We, we sometimes wonder if God is really with us. Has that happened to you this year? Or in this pandemic season? Has that ever happened to you in your, in your walk with God, in your journey with God, that you have prayed, you had hoped, you have even believed in God, but it hasn't happened, and you are still waiting? But God will fulfill His promises, yet not in the way that we think is punctual. Therefore, people, in this life, there will be continual delays and disruptions. For Jairus, it started with a delay. And then it went on to, to, to become a death, where you cannot do anything about it anymore. But listen, with Jesus, there is actually no difference between a dying situation and a dead situation. 
His grace can reverse both. And that is why Jesus wasn't hurried. That's the reason why, you know, he could take time with a woman in the face of Jairus' dire situation. To Jairus, it was the end. To Jesus, no, it wasn't the end. So Jesus tells Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Because God's delays are not necessarily his denials. In 2 Peter in chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, we are told, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as, as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, that all should reach repentance. So what Peter is telling us here is that, you know what, when God delays, he has a deeper reason. He has a, he has a greater reason. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. And therefore, we must not impose our time frame on the Lord. There are so many things that we hope for, we pray for, we work for, but they don't happen as we expect them to. We may feel disheartened. We may wonder why, where is God in all of this? But Jesus speaks into those dying, dead situations of our lives and He says, only believe. Just believe. And just believe, people, is, is a foundation to deal with the delays in our lives. Now let's go to the lessons. This text tells us that delays show up, in a, in a, why delays show up in our lives. They also tell us how to deal with the delays. And there are three lessons here. The first is this. Delays teach us that God is doing something deeper. Now the woman, she is chronically ill. She has, serious, she has a serious disease. She has been living with it for 12 years. And then you look at this little girl. She's on the verge of death. She's not chronically ill, but her case is very urgent. So if today, if you take the both of them to a hospital, any hospital in Singapore, and you take them to the emergency room of the hospital, they would first treat the little girl first, because this is urgent. The, her life is ticking away. The woman, 12 years, she has been suffering this way. She can wait a while longer. That's fine. But then, that is only logical. That is from a human perspective, okay? It is right, it's reasonable, it's logical. It's based on facts and figures and reasoning. But you look at Jesus, he stops for the woman and he lets the little girl die. Why? Because from Jesus' point of view, he has no trouble healing a dead person or just a sick person. There is just no difference to him. Besides, this woman has now been physically healed by touching his garment but what she really needs, Jesus knows this, that what she really needs is eternal transformation. She needs to know that in her spiritual depravity, she needs a savior, not just a healer. And so Jesus probably stopped, for, uh, stopped with her so that he could minister to her and to her deeper spiritual needs. And while he's doing that, Jairus is waiting. And as, as he waits for Jesus to finish talking to the woman, he is getting desperate. But in that desperation, his eyes must be fixed on Jesus. He's not moving away. And something must be happening in his heart as well. You know, at the recent online Agape Town Hall meeting, I, I do not know how many of you attended that, 
But if you attended the recent Agape Town meeting, Kai and Maria were sharing their journey with cancer. One of the things that Kai said was this, that suffering is necessary to experience love and to express love. He was referring to the community that has been supporting them through this ordeal. He said that if the world was a perfect place where there is no pain and no suffering, then we would not need each other. Then we would not need community. Then we would not even need God. But suffering draws us to God and it draws us to one another. And those of us who were listening that night immediately knew that God has been doing a deep work in this young couple as they wait on the Lord. Now, God has not answered all their prayers yet, but the Lord is obviously still at work. And that night at the town hall meeting, all of us hearing Kai knew that the Lord was at work in their lives. Oh, by the way, if you are a member of Agape, it is your membership privilege and responsibility to be at a town hall meeting. I mean, you should not take those meetings lightly or, or miss them. Those, it is in those meetings that you get to hear what's happening in the family. And people, those of us who belong to the family love to know what is going on in the lives of the family members. And therefore, the town hall meeting allows us uh, to, to share those things with, with one another. In, in, whether they're deeper things or superficial things, but it's a time for the family to get together to hear that. So when the town hall meeting comes on next year, please don't miss it. Now back to Jairus and our story. When the Lord delays, He's always doing something deeper that we can't see. He still works in our waiting. And that is why we must just trust Him in our delays. And like what Jesus told Jairus, just believe. The second thing, people, is this. The second lesson. Delays shows us the grace of God. If you compare this woman with Jairus, you discover that they are worlds apart. First of all, Jairus is a synagogue ruler. He is a prominent man, a very wealthy man who is socially respected, a very religious, moral man. The woman is the opposite to Jairus. First of all, she is a woman, and in a society where where she was in, women actually did not have any status. Secondly, she, she's economically destitute. She had lost all of her money in treatments. And thirdly, she's chronically ill. And in that world, to be sick like this is considered a curse from God. So she's in the opposite end of the spectrum to Jairus, socially, economically, morally. And yet, Jesus stops for her. Jesus takes the time in the middle of an urgent situation with Jairus to comfort and teach this unclean woman with a chronic health problem. And while he is doing this, he is making a very prominent, respected community leader to wait. And Jesus reaches out to a person who in the eyes of the society does not deserve that kind of an attention. And you know what this shows up, people? This is a perfect picture of God's grace. People, if ever God steps into your life and He breaks the delays and He cuts the journey short, it is not because you deserve better. It is only because of His grace. So while you are in a delay 
and you get angry with God because He's keeping you waiting, what you are basically saying is that, God, I actually deserve better. Where is my blessing? How come you're denying me this? God, you owe me this. You can't be blessing so and so and not also bless me. My people, the point is this, that God does not show us favour because we are good or because we are bad. He shows us favour because He alone is good. It's grace. Both Jairus and the woman get the same treatment of grace, but one is delayed. Waiting people, especially waiting on God, can be painful. But biblical examples of waiting always reveal this. We look at the Bible and the men of God, the women of God who waited, you always realize this, that there was always grace in the waiting, undeserved grace. Noah waited on the ark with his family for over a year, not knowing when God would dry out the land. Joseph waited in prison for a long time in silence and, and uncertainty, feeling forgotten. The Israelites waited 400 years in slavery for deliverance. And then there was another 400 years of silence of the prophets before Christmas. But in all of the waiting, there was grace. The Bible says that God remembered Noah. Joseph found favor with God. And that God heard the groanings of the Israelites in slavery. And yet at the same time, this same merciful God allowed many more people to live and die without seeing the end of their waiting. And yet they kept believing in Him. He gave them the grace to believe. And Jairus was told to just believe. Thirdly, people, and lastly, delays prove that God is trustworthy. When Jesus healed this little girl, He healed her in a particular way. And, and it's, it's really powerful. The verse is in Mark chapter 5, verse 41. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kom, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. That is in Aramaic. There are two important words here that is loaded with meaning. The first one is the word Talita. The word Talita translated means little girl. It is actually a pet name in that culture, much like the way that you will call your precious little daughter, honey, sweetheart, darling, baby, whatever. All right? The second phrase that is important for us is get up. When Jesus says get up, you see people, Jesus was raising this girl from the dead and he could have told her, arise from the dead. But he didn't say, he, what he said was that he said what a mom and dad would say to a little girl on any given morning. Sweetheart, darling, you know, get up. You no, know, time to get up. Time to wake up, girl. You know, that, that's what he was doing. People, this was, this, this, this just this one verse tells us two things about Jesus. Firstly, his power. And secondly, his tenderness. The first is his power. You see, death is the greatest enemy we have. It is the end when it comes to death. Humankind is powerless against it. Yet in the face of this little, little girl's death, Jesus doesn't go into her room, 
roll up his sleeves and, and, and shout out, rise from the dead. He could have done that. He did it before. He did it with Lazarus. He told Lazarus, come out. You know, and, and, and he did. But he didn't use a thunderous voice here. He could have done that, but he didn't. The power he exercises is very gentle. It's almost effortless. He reaches down to death and he pulls her up with such ease and just says to her, almost whispering, it is time to get up, girl. Sweetheart, it's time to get up. Listen, this is what Jesus is to us in our desperate situations, in our dying, dead situations. He says to us, even, in, even the greatest enemy of the human race is nothing to me but a good night's sleep. You can trust me. I am trustworthy. Only believe. And the second thing is his tenderness. Do you realize that he did not, like, he did this like a good parent. Every good parent will not go rushing into the room of a child and shake the child out of bed and traumatize your, the little girl. He, he gets her up so gently, so tenderly, so befitting for a sweet little girl. People, Jesus is the parent who takes you by the hand. He will do it in every dying, desperate, dead situation that you, are, you encounter because he knows your pain. He, he understands your anguish and, 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 and he sees the confusion of your mind. And he is the parent who will never fail you. He will be ever so gentle with you. You can trust him. Even in death, he will lift you up. And he can do it because he died for you. He took your death. He... he to, he took your death to give you his life. And at the cross, he lost the hand of the Father so that he could now hold your hand in your delays and your dying situation. So my question to us today is this, people. Why hurry someone like this? If he delays, he knows what he is doing. Why try to hurry him? Why rush the Lord, just believe. Just surrender to Him and trust Him and surrender your waiting to Him. He will come true for you. God's delays are not necessarily His denials. You know, Christmas is, a, is, is to me a memorable time for several reasons. I remember that 49 years ago on Christmas Day, now, 49 years is a long time for many of you, okay? But it doesn't seem too long to me. But 49 years ago, on Christmas Day, as a 13-year-old teenager, I walked up the aisles to the hymn, Jesus Paid It All to Receive Jesus as My Personal Savior. I timed it. You know, I had already received Christ, you know, somewhere in December because I was, that school holiday, I was reading the book, Living Dangerously by Stuart Briscoe. And I was so convicted of my sins, I remember that every now and then I would I would keep asking the Lord to forgive me for my sins. A 13-year-old doesn't have many sins. Like, like I, I have more sins now than I had then. But, you know, but I, I was just so convicted that 
I, I told the Lord that you know, I want to live dangerously for you. And that was naivety of a 13-year-old boy. You know, and, and that, you know, so please forgive me of, of my sins. And then on Christmas Day, I decided that, you know, it'd be a nice day to walk up the house, and I did, so that I could have always remember that. And there was, and for 49 years of walking with God, people, I've seen multiple delays in, my, in, 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 in the journey. Like I could tell you that it took me six years of praying for my grandmother to be saved, and she got saved. Uh, it took me another 20 years to see my mother come to salvation, and she did. In my own ministry journey, you know, they were uh, where, to where the Lord has led me right now. I, I could see, if I look back in reflection, it has been a long, winding road. There were many, many years where things were just ordinary, mundane, you know, usual, uh, just, just doing the normal things year after year after year after year after, and just waiting on the Lord for don't know what. You know, but just being faithful to do what God has called me to do. Nothing very dramatic. Then there were other times when there was just one crisis after the other, and uh, that, you know, that, uh, which, which became marks of milestones in, my, in, in, in the journey. And one such personal crisis happened unexpectedly three years ago on Christmas Day at one fairer right after the Christmas service. And some of you will remember this, that many of you remember that, uh, who, were, who have been with us for some time, that my daughter had a seizure. And months before that, she had a miscarriage. The months following the seizure were very dark for our family. It was filled with ambiguity and, 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 and uncertainty. And there were lots of people, you know, especially people from this church and, and, and others who surrounded us with their prayers, who came to, to her home and spent time with her and, and, and their presence and their support. And we, through all of that, we very much felt what Kai was saying that suffering is necessary to experience love and to express love. We did a lot of praying during those times. We did a lot of waiting and a lot of wondering, a lot of hoping. There were many tears that were shed and there were many moments when we were tempted to go by our human perspective. And it was God's grace that He pulled us back again and again to not be afraid and only believe. Now three years has passed. And this Christmas is a first in, in, a, in, in, in many ways for my family. This is the first Christmas that Christina and I are seeing God's promise of posterity in our two grandchildren, both eight months old, that we had prayed for so long. God's delays are not necessarily His denial. This is also the first Christmas that the whole family is together in one city after many years. My wife has prayed much to see this happen in our family. And again, we see that, that God's delays are not necessarily His denial. Let me close with this quote by Detrick Bonhoeffer when he was in prison. He wrote this about Christmas in a book uh, called God is in the Manger. He says, life in a prison cell may well be compared to Edmund. One waits, hopes, and does this and that or the other. Things that are really of no consequence. The door is shut and can only be opened from the outside. And what he means is that, the, that only God can open closed doors. And until he opens those closed doors, you wait. So let me give you three practical things that you can do while you wait. 
First of all, wait without losing trust in God. Because waiting can wane your faith. Don't allow that. There are two perspectives to every situation. Remember that. There is a human perspective based on human, humanly known facts and figures and logic and reason. And then there's God's perspective that is based on His character and His word. Jairus must have been devastated by the human perspective when he heard that his daughter was dead. But Jesus was unperturbed. From his perspective, she was only asleep. And he says, and he, and he, and he looks at us and he says to us, only believe. So don't give up on your faith as you are waiting. Keep believing. The second is this. Work knowing that God is at work in your heart. Keep doing what you have to do. Don't allow your life to be derailed. When Herbert says, while waiting, you keep doing this and that, things that are no, of no consequence. But at the same time, waiting for the Lord to open the shut door. And He alone can open it. It is His grace alone that opens it. But while you are waiting, don't let your life be decimated. Don't let it be derailed. Keep doing the ordinary things that you must do. Keep serving the Lord. Keep growing in God. Don't put your life on pause. And say, I, I, my life cannot go on unless this happens. My life cannot go on until this prayer is answered. This healing uh, it, it happens in my life. This baby is born. You know, don't, don't put your life on pause. Keep doing what you must do. And finally, people, probably the most important thing, fill your heart with wonder at the hope that is to come. Now, let me, let me talk a little bit about the pandemic, okay? The pandemic has made us feel like we have left something behind. And all of us feel it. The old normal. The things that we were comfortable with, it's all gone. We used to live lives without masks. We used to travel as we wanted to, as freely as we wanted to. We could go and visit anybody anytime. We could have a party of 20 people in a house. We could come to church and fellowship as freely as we want. It's all gone. And we are waiting for a new normal to come. And we thought it was coming. Every time we think it's coming, it's not coming. Every time you think that, oh, it's getting better, and then, you know, it's two steps back. And it's like, you see people, but the new normal isn't, isn't there yet, and, and we're still waiting. And it's getting to us. Some of us are affected mentally. Some of us are affected emotionally. Some of us are exhausted. Others of us are frustrated. But this reality, people, exposes a deeper reality that has always been there. And this is it. You will never find normality in this life. Never. Because we are all living between the already and the not yet. This is the reality for every one of us who are believers. So if you have felt disoriented in these past two years, you must remember that the true new normal will only be a reality in eternity. Ultimately, we are all waiting in hope for the day of the Lord. 
This world will never be normal for us. And it's dangerous to become comfortable in this world to the point that you don't want, you don't hope for the world to come. And this pandemic has kind of disorientated us such that our hope for the world to come grows even greater. You know, Jairus' little daughter was raised from the dead, but she must have, I mean, even if she had grown up to be an adult, she must have experienced her own set of pains and, 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 and troubles, and she must have finally have died. She didn't live forever. This world is not the new normal. And that's why our hope must be in the world to come. And Christmas helps orient us to, to, to a posture to see past the chaos, the uncertainties and the ambiguities of our broken world and look to the one who came so quietly one silent night to give us peace for our chaos now and hope for the future. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, I must quote Tim Keller in a sermon so that uh, he's my boss, you see, so I've got to do that. <clears throat> he says this, he says, Christmas, therefore, is the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. It does not say, cheer up, if we all pull together, we can make a world, the world a better place. Christmas does not agree with the optimistic thinkers who say, we can fix things if we try hard enough. Nor does it agree with the pessimists who see only the dystopian future. The message of Christianity is instead, things really are this bad and we can't heal or save ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. The Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So people, I invite you this morning or this afternoon to fill your heart with wonder at the hope that is to come. Whether you are waiting in the dark right now or whether you are running here and there, like Jairus, like the woman who touched Jesus' garment, reach out to the one, the light of the world, Emmanuel. He is writing your story and you can rest assured, be rest assured that he holds your hand. You see, people, the longing that you feel in your heart in this pandemic season is not really for the new normal. It is not ready to get what you want from God. What your soul deeply desires is for God Himself. Your soul is made for Him and your soul wants God. And when your soul gets God, it doesn't matter whether it's the old normal or the new normal. You are settled. So come to Him. Come to God for God. Let him take care of the waiting and trust him. Only believe. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.